Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at Home. In fact, go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. You can also download the kids' activity sheet, and you can find out on our calendar all the events and things that are coming forward. Hey, well, my title today is His Grace Over Me. Now, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, We've looked at some people in the Bible that laid things down or didn't lay things down to follow Jesus. Today, I want to pick up on a verse. In fact, in our service on these last two Sundays, um, our worship leader, uh, Pastor Eric Ramos, was teaching on the 23rd Psalm. And on his very first week, he read this verse. And this is what I wanted to look at today. This is David, Psalm 37, 25. David reflecting back on his life, and he says these words, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Let me read that again. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his seed begging bread, or his descendants begging bread. In fact, the message translation says it this way. I once was young, but now I am gray beard. Not once have I seen an abandoned believer or his kids out roaming the streets. Every day he's out giving and lending his children, making him proud. In fact, I like that one. I once was young, and now I'm gray beard. Now, if you were Remember with me just for a moment, David, the young shepherd boy, the one forgotten about when the prophet Samuel was coming to, to dinner with the family, the one that had to go get him, yet he was the one that would be anointed king of Israel. David, the one that was the only one that would stand up against Goliath, the giant, the only one. Everybody else was afraid of him. Saul, King Saul was afraid of him. David, who fought his battles, David, who was hiding from Saul because Saul was trying to kill him, David, who made mistakes, David, who had a heart for the Lord. In fact, David says those words again, I have been young and I have been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants breaking bread. Looking back on his life, he remembers all of those events, and he's able to look, and he's able to say, as I look back, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. In fact, David also said these words. He said in Psalm 84, 11, no good thing, talking about God, will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. No good thing would he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Now, I wanted to shift that story of one of the ones maybe David reflected back onto, or maybe David didn't think anything about it. The Bible records that um, David became best of friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. In fact, they became uh, so good of friends, and, and many times in the Bible we'll read this, that they actually cut a covenant. They cut themselves, allow their blood to come together, and basically saying, whatever I have is yours, and we'll be together in this until we die. In fact, it's interesting that that uh, Jonathan gave David some of his armament, meaning whatever I have is yours, 
or this armor is yours. Or even if, if David happened to walk around, he would look like it was Jonathan. It was Jonathan's armor. Well, if you've read your Bible and you understand that from the beginning of David coming in and, and playing music and worship in Saul's court, King Saul, Saul had his eyes on David. Saul was threatened by David. Um, we know that David had to go out and hide from Saul in the strongholds. The Bible says that Saul sought to take his life every day. Saul gathered 3,000 choice soldiers who were looking for David, trying to kill David. David had a couple opportunities himself to kill Saul. In fact, one of them, he was hiding in a cave, and Saul went to go into the cave to uh, go to the restroom. David cut off part of his robe, and yet David could have taken his life, but he understood that Saul was appointed by God, was God's anointed. Well, if we fast forward, we know that Saul was killed in battle. We know that Jonathan was killed in battle. And yet, reflecting back, David um, thinks of something, and he remembers, in fact, what he wants to do is he wants to know, was there anybody else left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, I want you to remember this. Normally, when a new king comes in, and the other king has especially sons or other relatives, many times in other nations, that new king coming in would make sure that every possible descendant of the past king to the throne was killed. In fact, it reminds me of uh, the old movie, uh, The Wizard of Oz, where they sing, ding dong, the witch is dead. Well, this would have been, ding dong, the king is dead. They would have made sure that, that any lineage, anybody that was related, anybody that could have had access to the throne would have been killed. Well, David didn't do that. But what hit David one day was particularly this one thought that, um, is there anyone left in the house of Saul? Isn't it interesting you would put that, the one that was trying to kill him, that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake, Jonathan's friend. Is there anyone left that I can show kindness? Well, if we were to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, Jonathan had a son, and he was lame in his feet. The Bible says he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. Now, the news was Saul and Jonathan were just killed in battle, which uh, they knew that just elevated uh, David right to the throne. Why did she flee? Why did the nurse grab him and flee? Because she thought David would come to seek the life of Mephibosheth, that's his name, and kill him. And in the hustle and bustle, she evidently dropped him. Now, if, if he was lame in his feet, we know that he must have had some type of spinal injury or head injury or something that he could not walk at five years of age. In fact, we know that in the running and it happened that she made haste to flee, and he became named, and his name was Mephibosheth. That's Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And so in the, in the midst of this, David has no idea when we read where he says, is there anyone in the house of Saul or that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? In fact, we know in the Bible where, where Mephibosheth was. He was out in the desert of Lod Lodabar. 
In fact, what they were doing is they were hiding away. They were in fear for David. They thought if David knew that they were alive and where they were, that David would send soldiers and have them killed. But now David has a different heart. In fact, we started with that one verse in the beginning where David mentions, he says, I have been young and I have been old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. So all of a sudden, David has this heart conviction that he wants to know, is there anybody else in the house of Saul or in the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness? Well, they find out it's Mephibosheth. In fact, and they call for Mephibosheth. And as Mephibosheth enters in to see David, here's what we read in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8 and 13. He bowed himself and he said these words. This is Mephibosheth's words. What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Think about how Mephibosheth saw himself, wasn't able to walk, had been hiding out in fear. He spent his most of his life now in fear that his life would be taken by David. But it says this, that Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in his feet. In fact, if you read on in your Bible, David uh, had Mephibosheth. He just didn't give him land. In fact, he gave him land, and he gave him servants, and he told Mephibosheth, from here on out, you're eating at my table. You don't need to be out anywhere at the land I give you and the servants I give you. You're eating at my table. I'm bringing you into my table. What's interesting when we read that is at the end, it still says that phrase, and he was lame in both of his feet. Now, why would the Bible need to tell us that again? Why would he tell us again? Well, he couldn't himself get to the table. David was the one that made access to the table and made access to the table by his servants. So his servants would help him in at the table. In fact, if we looked at it naturally, Mephibosheth didn't belong at the table. Mephibosheth was a descendant of Jonathan who would have been next up on the throne. Mephibosheth had the rights had Saul not been there, though David was anointed by God and appointed by God to be king of, over Israel. So Mephibosheth didn't have the right, could not walk. And the Bible lets us know that specific thing, that he was still lame in both of his feet. The 23rd Psalm, that the Lord prepares a table before us. Before Mephibosheth ever know, had known, there was a table set before him, but it wasn't just a table that he could come to. He had to be invited by the king. And David wasn't doing it like Saul did, where David was going to eye him from here on out. David did it because he had sat back and he wanted to show kindness to Saul for Jonathan's sake. That covenant, though, had would have ended with Jonathan's death. David reflected back, was there anybody that I could show kindness to? I have been young and I've been old. I like going gray beard, touching. I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Mephibosheth would, would be exalted into a role, given things, eating at the king's table from here on out, not to be afraid. Though he couldn't physically walk there, he was brought to it. It was already prepared for him. 
fact, that's the 23rd Psalm. God prepares a table for you. Listen to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. In fact, think of our own nature before we knew Jesus as our Lord and Savior. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes this and he says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So notice the first few verses, he lets us know, um, he made you alive. You were not alive. In fact, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You once walked according to the course of the world. You were going within with the world system. You were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. You were disobedient. You were going your own way. You were doing your own thing. You were rejecting God. And he says, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature's children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, go with me for a minute. Here we have an Old Testament example of King David somehow reflecting back to show kindness on the house of Saul because of his covenant with Jonathan. And he finds out that Jonathan has a son that's hiding out in the desert place, Lodabar. And he brings Jonathan in. And, John, and Mephibosheth can only say, what do you have to do with a dead dog like me? I'm worthless. I can't do anything. I can't work. I can't bring anything to you. And essentially, it's like David doesn't even respond to that. David begins to show and to tell Mephibosheth all that he's going to eat. And David says, you're going to eat at my table. Well, fast forward with me that David does this act and we have God the Father and he looks down and he says, look what they're doing. They're all disobedient. They're all doing their own thing. They're going, they're following the, the disobedience. They're following the spirits that conduct themselves. They're following the lust of the flesh. They could care less about me and my ways, but I'm rich in mercy because of my great love for them. In fact, I'm going to raise them up and I'm going to have them sit in heavenly places because I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. And I love that one part where it says, and for the ages to come, he might show the exceeding 
riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Think about that for a minute. That in the ages to come, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, you've got servants now. You have land. You get to eat at my table. You don't have to worry about what you, the food you put to your mouth. You don't have to worry about cooking. You're at my table. Jesus comes and he sacrifices and he makes a way so that we are raised up. We're made alive in him. And for the ages to come, for all eternity, he might show the richness of his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But it all started with David thinking for just a minute. I have been young and I have been old. I have not seen the righteous forsaking, nor his descendants begging bread. It plays out in his own life. But yet we know that one verse that we start everything with. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love of which he loved us. You know, I made a list this week. In fact, I started going through thinking about the ways that God's work. If we just sit back and like David and we grab a hold of the fact that the message says that gray old long beard and we think back, we look back in the Bible and we think about stories like Abraham where God tells him to take Isaac. Now, his one and only son, this is the promise. This is the promise that I've been believing God for 20, 25 years. And I want you to take him to the place that I will show you. And you're going to offer him as a sacrifice. And on the third day of the journey, as Abraham is, is climbing up that mountain of Moriah, and he knows what he's going to have to do, God already provided a ram in the thicket. But he was wanting to see would Abraham be obedient to what he said. Moses when he's got all the children of Israel out and they come to some water and the water is bitter. Have you ever swam in the ocean and you were swimming and a wave hit you and all that salt water not only goes in your mouth, but you swallow it. In fact, even thinking about that makes me almost want to throw up. Oh, it's horrible. Well, all this bitter water. But then Moses is to, instructed to cut down this part of this tree and to throw it in the water and it makes the bitter water sweet. Well, God knew the children of Israel were going to walk to that place and be thirsty. Yet he planted it, made sure that there was a tree planted there. And remember this, that that was after the flood. So who knows what was thrown around everywhere, tree, limb, branch, everywhere. But God made sure that at that water, there was a tree that would make the bitter waters sweet. Elijah, when Elijah proclaims the drought, and it will not rain until I say so, the prophet Elijah. And he goes to a brook, the brook Cherish. And what God does is God feeds him in the morning and the night by ravens. Ravens bring him meat. Ravens bring him uh, bread. In fact, it reminds me of if you've ever sat at the beach and you have a sandwich and you bring out a sandwich and chips. And out of the blue, seagulls come and they come over. Man, you got to really watch them because those guys will take your sandwich and chips and whatever you have. Well, this is a little bit different. These ravens are getting meat and bread and they're bringing it to Elijah until one day when he sees them fly off, they're not going to fly back again because the, the brook Cherish is dried up. But God already spoke to a woman in Zarephath that she's to gather sticks and she's going to cook what's going to be her last meal. 
But God's going to send Elijah there because it's not going to be her last meal. In fact, um, God's going to make sure that if she serves Elijah, that she'll never lack oil or flour in her bin. You know, we go all through the Bible. We jump into the New Testament where Jesus is talked to about having to pay taxes. And he tells Peter to cast the rod in the water. And Peter pulls out a fish. And in the fish's mouth is a gold coin. And Jesus uses that to pay both their taxes. Okay, well, there just happened. God had it all set up for a fish to find a coin to have it at that opportune time on the hook for Peter to give to Jesus to pay taxes. You know, we can go all throughout the Bible and find these stories that God was already there working. He was wanting to see, would we be obedient? Peter and John have no money. They come across uh, the gate beautiful, and, and there's a lame man that's been lame from birth, probably had been sitting there, and uh, and Jesus probably passed by. And he calls out, and he wants alms. He wants money. And they tell him, silver and gold we don't have. But you know what we have? We have the name of Jesus rise and walk. And this guy, he rises up and walks, and he's completely healed. And they didn't have what he wanted, but they had what everybody wanted. And that was the name of Jesus. That's the power of God for those who are obedient. In fact, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and he raised you up to us together, made us sit in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come, he might show the excellent riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know, had Mephibosheth known the nature of David in David's heart, David wasn't vindictive. He would have stayed. He would have recognized the covenant that he had in Jonathan. He would have stayed, but he decided to hide in fear. And he ran the other way and uh, lived for years in a deserted place, Lodabar. Probably angry every day over what he should have had and now what he didn't have. And even when he looks upon himself and would say that he's a dead dog, David restores him, brings him to the table. And Mephibosheth will never have to want another day of his life. But God, who is rich in mercy. David said, I have been young and I've been old. I started out in the wilderness playing worship, watching my father's sheep. And now I've come into the house of the Lord. I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's the most important prayer that you can ever pray. In fact, it restores you back to how God intended things. Sets your feet upon a new walk. So pray this with me if you would. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I confess and accept Jesus as the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I so encourage you today, if you prayed that for the first time, or you rededicated your life, that you reach out to us, either by the social media platform that you're watching or listening to or through our website, or tell somebody, somebody 
that's been talking to you about this Jesus before, tell somebody today, you've been restored. You've been brought back to the table. And, you know, for everybody else, would you remember the covenant of God? Would you take time and remember what God did for you? Would you go back and look at the stories of those that stayed obedient? That God already set things up ahead of time. That he's already ahead. He's already in our tomorrow. But I've got to have faith today and believe that he's already restored all good things. He's already prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He has anointed your head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But he wants you to experience him in this time, in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we'll receive our tithes and offerings. In fact, I have this one verse to read. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. And it says, now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. In fact, one of the things that God that God's going to use and mention throughout the Old Testament and the Apostle Paul picks up is he uses the example of our giving as planting of seed. You know, you're a farmer. You've got to plant seed if you want a crop, if you want to harvest. Well, God's going to use that. In fact, the Apostle Paul is going to pick that up. He supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food. So in your giving, may he supply and multiply the seed that you're sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Pray this prayer with me, would you? God, today I stand on your word and I believe the promise that as I give, you will water and multiply it according to your greatness and power. I believe that the principle of multiplication will be released over my life beginning today in Jesus' name, amen. In fact, if you're giving today, you can do so on our website. Go to hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the top right uh, button there on the give. It's safe, fast, and secure. You can also give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church. P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. The Lord bless you for your faithfulness and the support of the ministry of the Hills Church. Hey, let me mention this one thing. We go into November, and I already started. We do No Shave November for the guys. And what we ask you to do is, is not shave the entire month, if you can, because what we want to do is a dollar a day, $30 for the month to give to Foursquare Missions Press, the printing press that prints Christian tracts and literature and Bibles that go all around the world to different missionaries and nations free of charge to them to spread the gospel. So you can join in in giving even if you have to shave or have fun uh, not shaving this month, but we want to do that no shave November. All right. I look up to the hills. But where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Remember those stories in the Bible that God was already at work. God's already been at work and God's already prepared. Are you going to trust him? Trust him this week. Your help is from the Lord.
The Lord bless you and have a great day.